tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. Mac, uh, good morning. Good morning. It's a balmy 16 degrees here in Catherine. It's, uh, I think we've got 34 today. I'm pretty sure I'm on my way up to Darwin, actually. I've just left the Hunter Valley because of the lockdown. We're relocating. I'm originally from Gippsland in Victoria. My pop used to listen to you every morning, every Sunday morning. And oh, from Gippsland, lived in the Hunter Valley for seven years and travelled the country. Did my trade in Darwin and I've loved it ever since. I've been back in the Hunter Valley for the last four years with my family. And then, yeah, we thought, let's go back to Darwin. <laughs> friends and family, and <laughs> we're just gypsies. What's your trade, Shep? I'm a diesel fitter. I did my trade in Darwin on the boats up there and uh, on the ships, and, and I've just been working in the Hunter Valley and the coal mines, but I had to escape on Thursday, really, because my wife and three kids are already in Darwin. Actually, it's my daughter Stevie's second birthday today, so oh, I, wow. I'm glad I made it back for that. I had to jump across the border. My mum sent me a message on Thursday at about 3 o'clock and said the borders are closing at 1am. So I had to pack the rest of the U-Haul trailer and put the dogs in the car and off I went and got across the border at about quarter to 12, which is lucky. So you're going to live in Darwin, Shep, with a family? Yeah, that's it, yeah. My partner and I lived in Darwin. I think she was up there for about 15 years and I lived up there for 10. And, oh, mate, it's a magical spot. We've just missed it so much. We've got a good bunch of friends up there and it's just amazing. And the weather as well, you know, you, you can't go wrong with it. Good on you, Shep. I'll see you in Darwin. Thank you very much, mate. Definitely. All over Australia, there's a radio show that Australians all know. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker, they tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. That's the story. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning. Welcome to the program, wherever you are. Big day for some. Uh, the foot, footy, no, Another footy grand finals on today, the Rugby League one. Last weekend, it was the uh, Aussie Rules. I like to call it Aussie Rules, um, which was won by the Demons. And uh, this week, Rugby League is uh, being played in... It's funny, isn't it? The two states where you'd never expect the grand final to be. Not, you know... Uh, in Perth, the Aussie Rules Grand Final, and now in Brisbane, the Rugby League Grand Final. We'll talk a little bit about uh, that a little later. Uh, also, daylight savings descended on those states that have it now, so that's a bit confusing to people. We've had a lot of calls this morning. Nice call. John was on his sailing boat. He was uh, just off Fraser Island, and he said that he's never seen so many grey nomads on the water, meaning... I suppose people are retired or whatever, if you can, I suppose in some ways you feel a lot more freedom when you're on your boat. You can go where you want to go, I suppose, once you cross the border. Although, remember the bloke that was trying to get across the border, Kel, and um, he was out there and couldn't get across, but they're not out there. I suppose when you come into, I think he'd been in New South Wales and crossed into Queensland and they wouldn't let him, or he had to, What's the name for 14 days or something like that? But uh, people out and about doing things and it's uh, it's nice to have your company this morning. All sorts of things this morning would take you virtually everywhere. Michael was, Michael was going for a surf at Byron Bay. Interesting fella. Um, lots of emails. Maureen says, Maureen Hancock says, Good morning, Macca. When my son Nicholas, 
now known as Pat in Santa Teresa, you find that on your maps, look on your maps, first went remote teaching in Ali Karang in the Northern Territory, there was a phone box there. The uncanny thing about it was that it used to ring. You might be walking past it and it would ring. It wasn't vandalised and that might have been because the elders had said it was a bad person or spirit, bad spirit ringing. I want... Moran says, I often wonder if it's still ringing its secret message there in the desert. Thank you for years of entertainment, says Maureen Hancock in Boona. Maureen, it's interesting, isn't it? And the phone box was really part of our show in those you know, early days. And, it, and now it is again. I'm, still get, I'm getting cards now from people who can, you know, you can go to the post office, I think, and get one of those cards and you can write a little message on it and send it for free for Nick's. <laughs> There you go. But the phone box is the same. It's, it's for Nick's. And people are sending me pictures of sort of, well, not dilapidated, but phone boxes in various places where the grass is growing around them because people don't use them. But I, every time I see one now, as I said to you, every time I see one, I go in and ring somebody. And I say, where are you? I'm in a phone box because the number doesn't come up. Um, interesting. Sally Parrott says, We've been doing a lap of Oz in our camper van to escape another Melbourne lockdown with those curlews and cockatoos wake us every morning with their ruckus. We're in Home Hill, cane country in North Queensland now and love hearing people calling into the show from all the places we've recently been through like Camerwell and Hewenden, etc, etc. That is nice, I suspect, Sally, but um, it's nice to be on the road too. I heard someone, says Lee, uh, talking about banks and the removal of ATMs and new banknotes being printed. Some people talk up the notion of a cashless society, but the truth is we have to have and, in fact, must have and retain an analogue method of transaction because at any time the electronic system may crash due to fault or hacking or solar flares, etc. The push to a digital-only currency is just part of the madness of this current world by a few who figure they can profit from it or control us even more. That's so true, Lee. That's what I think. I mean, I see young kids and everybody loves to tap on and they don't realise that everything they do is now codified. So, I mean, I just that's the first part. The other thing that banks are removing their ATMs and they're replaced by these other ATMs that charge you $2.50. And I remember when the, the former uh, Reserve Bank head, what was his name? Was it Ken Henry? And they put the charge on, and then of recent times it's been removed on the the big four have removed it, but they also are removing their ATMs, and and it's about getting rid of people. That's what it's all all that pushes not to employ people. And I wonder if governments think about that. Do governments think about employing people? Um, because the push is from big big business. They want to. How much money do they want to make? That's what I want to know. How much money do BHP and the ANZ and Telstra and all those people? And you could the list goes on. How much money do they want them? And how much money do their executives want? Do they want a million dollars a year, or two, or three, or five, or I think six million? As the previous head of Australia Post got, I think he was on six million or seven million a year. I mean that is ridiculous for a so-called public servant. But there you go. Our number this morning, 1300 700 222. We'll take you to Air's, uh, Lake Air. So I was going to say Air's Rock. Lake Air uh, in a little while. But uh, we'll talk to you. 1300 700 222. G'day, this is Macca. Good morning, Macca. This is Brett calling from Toowoomba. Hi, Brett. How you going? Uh, I'm out walking. 
Good, um, mate. Good. I'm out walking, as I do on a Sunday morning, yeah. and on the very edge of the escarpment, just uh, the big loop underneath Picnic Point. So I'm looking east, beautiful clear sunrise, about 10 degrees, um, and you always come walking with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you feel better for it. I do. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a, picture of, a picture of health, Brett. <laughs> I got I got up this morning at three o'clock, which because of the change in the time, which I had to. Oh my god! And and I went outside. I took the dog out for a wee, as I do every morning, and um, and it was three o'clock in the morning. It was just beautiful because it'd been rain, yeah. And you know how clear the air is after rain, and but the yeah, sky yeah. was clear and the stars, and it was just fantastic, mate. I, yeah. I just thought it's it, it was spiritual. I just stood out there in the street. You know, I wanted to smash the street lights, but it was just beautiful. Even in the, it was in the yep. burbs, and just a lovely time to be up. You know, but I don't do that every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, we're we're uh, uh, um, not in the um, daylight saving zone. So when I um, jumped in the car this morning at six o'clock, you were complaining about how lonely you were um, because no one had been calling you. Um, but of course, Queensland's now behind the rest of the country. Yeah, well, um, no, but, West, Western Australia haven't got it. The Territory hasn't got it. So more than half the geographical uh, country oh, right. hasn't, hasn't, got, <laughs> hasn't got daylight saving, mate. And so, the, and so the argument will go on, but that's fine. No, I just wanted to ring and touch base, mate. As I say, um, you come walking with me every Sunday, and well, it's just a lovely way to start the day. Well, it's a very caring attitude. Brett, what do you do for a living, Brett? <laughs> um, I'm a classroom music teacher with Education Queensland. And so how's so, how's all that? There's a, there's another thing I, I saw recently that um, kids who are double vaccinated can go to school, but maybe those who aren't can uh, do still do learning at home online. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to pan out here. Um, at the primary level, I don't think the, the vaccination thing is going to be too much of a bother uh, for us. But um, up in our little neck of the woods, even though Toowoomba, as you know, is only an hour and a quarter from Brisbane, and they've had all sorts of hotspots and mini lockdowns and all the rest of it, um, up here on the edge of the range, we've been pretty much in our, in our own little world. Um, so that the COVID impact hasn't had a, a direct impact on us since about second term last year. Um, but I know, uh, you know colleagues of mine who are teaching in other states have, have had to be teaching online for you know, just months and months and months. Um, so we we just watch um, and count our blessings because uh, we've been able to function, you know, pretty much um, as per normal. Um, and in the performing arts, um, that's a really essential thing because you've got to have that interaction. You've got to have um, performances, as you know. You've got to have performances to work towards. Um, uh, otherwise, it's like a sports team that turns up for practice every week um, and does all the training, but never actually gets to play a game. Um, and I really feel for, for those uh, in the rest of the country who are impacted by all of this, because it must just be soul-destroying, just soul-destroying. I'll say, um, I think, you know, we were told, as I said last week, we were told that, you know, this COVID thing will mean that we can have a good reset for um, for society. And, and I hope that happens. I, I can't see a lot of signs of that, but... Um, Music is one of them. I think music, in fact, is the most important thing of the lot because I don't care. You know, there's very few people who aren't moved by a bit of music, whatever their, whatever their bent is, whether it's classical music or jazz or whatever. Um, 
Yeah. There's very few people yeah. who aren't moved by it, and it's a very therapeutic thing, especially in this time. So, um, and the other thing I, oh, I'd yeah. like to see, yeah. like I'd like to see more more art, more sculptures in the street and bits and pieces, whatever, mm-hmm. good, bad, and mm-hmm. indifferent, because I think that's important. I also think music, live music is important wherever we are, you know, whether we're, especially yeah. when we're eating in, in a little restaurant and stuff. I don't know how they can afford that, but maybe, uh, gee, uh, I think that's very important. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, you, you, let's get on with our walk, uh, Brett, and um, <laughs> I'll just I'll just sit down for a while and um, I'll catch up with you after, okay? Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll see you a little later. Great to hear your voice, Macker, and thanks for your show. Good Bye on you, mate. Bye. this is Macker. Good morning, Macker. This is McColl. McColl. I'm from Eltham and I am sitting in the car park of my work branch as a paramedic about to start my day in oh. our pandemic. Yes, tell me about uh, your well. I suppose your last mu- uh, last year or your last year and a half, Michael. How's that been? Oh, it's been um, tricky and exhausting, and I'm so proud of my colleagues. I think they're a brilliant bunch of people, and uh, I wouldn't want to be. Oh, well, I would actually like to be in Queensland. <laughs> me too. I feel very honoured to be doing this job. <laughs> Oh, well, you're doing a great job, McCall. You and your your fellow um, you know, paramedics and all sorts of people in the health area. But I was just thinking the other day. I mean, you, we, pandemic wasn't on my radar. You know, I'd sort of never really heard of it because you grow up. And I mean, the last pandemic, I suppose, was the Spanish flu, and that was about 1920, after just after the war. And I think you know. Imagine getting up and facing this every day, and you do in in spades. I mean, we've got to put on a mask and not do this and not do that, but you've got to put on, you know, PPE and and you've got to do it every yeah. day. You can't choose if you go to work. You can't choose not to be involved, can you, McCall? So more power. No, I think some people, yeah, have opted out. You mm. know, to be fair, I think some people have said this isn't what I signed up to do. Mm. And uh, I think for some of the nurses and maybe for some of the paramedics, I don't know personally, but. I think it is not what they envisaged that they would be doing or the job description that they had in mind. But um, it's lovely to uh, wake up and get in the car and listen to <laughs> to you. You sound awake, which is lovely. And, <laughs> well, I am. Um, I am awake. I, don't, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I was, you know, dread daylight saving for some reason. I don't know. You just get – but I, I just thought then it's a bit like what we're living through now. You just got to play what's in front of you, you know, and the time doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, you just got to play what, if you like it or you don't like, and I know lots of people don't like daylight saving and you have a whinge, but I'm just decided to play what's in front of me. And (laughs) the alarm went off at three o'clock, which is four o'clock and away we go. And here we are, McColl. But um, well, yeah. thank you for being there, a, and uh, I got a, to listen to you on the way to work, which was lovely. Yeah, and I didn't see—I didn't hear you. I thought I was talking. I talked to the trees. That's why they put me away. I thought no one was listening because nobody's up, and usually, <laughs> usually they get up at half past five, which is half past. You know, anyway. But um, Michael, it's nice to nice to know that you, yeah, keep up. I'm I'm sure that that's happened, and I'm sure it's happened even with doctors, because you know, a doctor when you sign up to be a doctor, you say, oh, I think I'll be a doctor when I'm, I'm you know, seventeen or whatever, and oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden, doctoring's just changed its whole whole thing, and I, I'm sure the hospitals are are different. You know, I'm sure there's not as much health work generally going on because everybody's concentrating on what you're concentrating on, Michael. 
Yes, yes. I, I think I think the space to be more than what you're currently doing has gone yep. in a way. Yep. Um, anyway, but uh, I I hope that uh, for your listeners, um, wherever they are, they're able to enjoy whatever day is in front of them. I have brought two eggs from home because our chickens have just laid their first few eggs. So I'm, I'm feeling happy about breakfast and um, that's also pretty exciting. Isn't that amazing? Now, it's the other thing. A bloke rang me last year in the middle of the pandemic and he said, Ian, did you know up here in Queensland, he was, some, he was checking water, I think it was when the drought was on, um, right. might have been early. He said, Every, you can't get a chook for love nor money up here or a chicken. Everybody's buying chickens. Um, and oh. we, we don't know if it was because of uh, self-sufficiency or just companionship, but whatever the story was, people are buying animals of all sorts, but chooks, they were going... So, but you obviously have had chooks for a long time, Nicole. No, these are our very first chooks. We, we raised them from a day old, and I've never had chickens before, and they've just laid their first lot of eggs. So I just actually thought they didn't know how. I was convinced I'd got a dud, but they did it. I'm so proud of them. Well, I think what you could say, Nicole, is that all your chickens are coming home to roost right now. That's it, Tom. Have a lovely day. Good on you, Nicole. Bye. Michael's in Byron, I think. Is that right, Michael? Good morning. Almost into Byron, mate. I had to pull up on the roadside to talk to you. and I, It's not easy sitting here waiting to go for a surf, I've got to tell you. <laughs> no, I'm dying to go for a surf. Michael, I haven't, I haven't been in the water for, well, since, since lockdown, I suppose, and it seems like... I think they said a hundred days for New South Wales, but it's probably it feels like you know it feels like a year. Oh, I think Michael, I think a thousand a thousand days. I think made since I've had a surf by the feel of it. Yeah, where do you live, Michael? Uh, made a little place called Corndale, just inland from Byron Bay. Uh huh. Unofficially, it would be known as the hub of the North Coast. Everything revolves around Corndale. Of course, I've heard that before, Michael. I think I've read about it in the Herald. Um, as, yeah. my, as my father used to say, I'd come up. And I'd say something really what, that I thought was really, you know, new and exciting and different. I'd say, Dad, sounds a... He said, yeah, I read about it in the Herald, um, and which would def- deflate me straight away. But, Michael, this is a ritual for you, is it, a, a Sunday morning surf or...? No, mate, usually it used to be a Friday morning surf, but um, with lockdown, I haven't been for months. So uh, I'm the well, Friday morning I would have gone, except there was a howling northerly. So uh, I'm going to sneak one in this morning. Now tell me about Byron Bay. I I read a lot about it, and and I think no, um, that's not the Byron I knew um, twenty five thirty years ago. But um, I suppose it's changed a lot. You'd you'd see that if you're living close by. Oh, uh, mate, look, and my grandparents used to live in Byron, you know, years and years ago, and so uh, yeah, it's certainly changed a lot. The uh, population's just unbelievable down there now. Yeah, lots. When of- we were kids, of course. Uh, you know, when we were kids, Pop used to actually build trawlers in Byron Bay um, and then launch them out through the Volondral Creek. Take them up, they'd take, tow them up to Brunswick Heads and uh, put the motors in them up there. Yeah. I, that's, yeah, it's a lovely part of the world, Volondral Creek. But, yeah, that's, that's the problem with everything, I think, on the coast because it's so lovely to, to go for a surf and attracts everybody. And I suppose Byron Bay seems to have some magic that I don't think it, it deserves. But, anyway... Um, and I, and I think it had magic. Yeah, exactly, point. exactly. <laughs> and and it attracts the the Hollywood set and and the the hangers on. And and I think you know, 
they've been sold a pup too. But anyway, um, yeah, it's. Yeah. I suppose it's nice to go there early in the morning and have a surf and and there's. But there's lots of places around your way, isn't there, to to go for a surf down to um, Lennox? Is Lennox the same or? Oh no! Look, all you. If you haven't been up here for a long while, mate, and you drove the coast road, you know, from Ballina to Byron, you would think you were going out Parramatta Road. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole deal of life now, isn't it, Michael? I was just thinking the other day, yeah. you know, you um, driving up Parramatta Road. Yeah, Sydney's just changed, and Melbourne's changed. I mean, just hugely in the last. I'd say about the last twenty years that the big change. And I'm not sure if that always happened to our parents and grandparents and their parents before them, if they saw that amount of change. But I think it's been huge, um, the difference, say, in a big city like Sydney, a huge difference. But um, anyway, yeah. we just uh, play what's in front of you, Michael. Yeah, mate, look, and it was great to hear Les Green on the radio this morning yeah, on he, the way for a surf. Did you ever see him play? I, I never saw him play live, but uh, I did see there was an album done a few years ago probably quite a few years ago now, at one of the surf clubs in Sydney, they recorded a lot of that old music again. Yeah, that, that was, that's where... The I, album was called De- Delightful Rain. That's right, yeah. Well, that's, that's the, from the CD that I've got there. It's, uh, it's called Blue Bay Blues, the Pigram Brothers, and, uh, yeah, Delightful yep. Rain was yep. the movie. I didn't see, was it good? Oh, yeah, look, the little, the little film, you can probably find it on YouTube or something. That, yeah. They had Les out of retirement, and he came in and sat in the surf club there and played all that guitar part for that song. When I was a youngster, I used to go to a place called the Rivoli and um, watch the bands and dance and stuff and look at the girls. Um, but um, and and Digger Ravel was playing there with the Denver Men, and and I was used to like the guitar player and Les Green. He was always really well dressed. He looked very svelte and just he looked like a fashionista. He was just and he had a neat sort of, um, uh, I don't know what, the, the modern haircut of the day of the, in the uh, early 60s. Um, yeah, he just looked really smooth. He just looked this really smooth with his Telecaster. And, no, he had a Strat, I think. Um, but anyway, he, was, uh, he, just looked, he, he just looked the part and very good player, of course. Yeah, and very, uh, like all the good players, the playing is smooth. You don't see much action, but it's no. plenty of notes come out of there. Exactly. Yes, he was very, uh, very understated. But yeah, it was there. A bit like Clapton, it's a bit the same. You know, he doesn't doesn't know histrionics yeah. and stuff like that. Not playing with his teeth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hardly, hardly moves, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, exactly. Like the duck yeah. <laughs> on the water. Good on you, Michael. Have a good surf. Have one for me too, mate. I hope so, mate. I better get this car going again because uh, before all the terrorists get in the water. <laughs> what's a, what's a, you got an old car or something? Is it going to be a problem starting it again? Is there? No. Oh no, no, mate. It's a new car. Well, a couple of years old. <laughs> Good <laughs> so on it'll you. It'll start all right. It's just a matter of the timing. <laughs> Good on you, Michael. I'll see you in the bay sometime. I'll see. No, I'll see you in Corndale. That's it, mate. Come to the hub. See ya. See ya, mate. Bye. Good morning, Maka. Good morning. Morning. My name's Lisa. Yes, Lisa. How are you? Very good, thank you. What are you up to? Well, we're here from Townsville. Um, we're heading to Coolum for a swim, uh, early morning swim. Oh, how lovely is that? Yeah, go on. And um, I just wanted to sort of say a shout out to my father, Rex, who's in the Burdekin at the moment. He listens to you religiously every morning. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going collecting... Kasharina nuts for our glossy black cockatoos. 
Oh, wow. Is that yeah. is that their um is that their staple, is it? Uh, yeah, that's definitely their staple. Well, see, I've got a couple. Yeah, that's interesting because I uh, these are the red tail or the yellow tail black cockatoos. No, these are the glossy black. Oh, glossy black, no tail. If you yes. know what I mean, uh, glossy. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're not the they've ones. They've got a red tail, but yeah. they're they're a smaller bird and they're a quieter bird. But uh. yeah, definitely not the red tail. No, and they, <laughs> they're not as noisy. No, and they and they like um, cashew nuts, do they? Definitely, yes. Wow. So you're going to collect them on the way and take them back because what yeah. don't they don't grow We've up got there them or there. what? Yeah, yeah, they do, but um, they're they're a lot more. There's a lot more trees down this way, so we we go for a swim, have a coffee, and do a bit of collecting. There you go. Isn't that nice? So, how many? Yeah. How, what if you got them in cages or something, or they live around your place? Or? A big aviary. No, no, definitely don't live. Um, we've got them in a large aviary, and um, yeah, definitely they're they're not very common. No. And where's their yeah. where's their field of reference, if you like? Where do they come from? These glossy blacks are they from Queensland, or where are they from? Yeah, they're from Queensland. There are a lot of them down Coolum Way and um, Sunshine Beach Way. Um, yeah, Lennox Heads, we've seen them in Evans Heads and everything like that. But, yeah, definitely not a common bird. No, but we're the... here on, on holidays visiting um, the other half. He's down here doing a course, a three-month course. So In what? We thought we'd... Um, he's doing a dog handler's course. Oh, I see. Right, there you go. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Uh, good luck with the cashewina. I've got a couple of cashewina trees at my place. Um, that we could raid, maybe. No, <laughs> no. I don't know. It's it's pretty tall, yeah. but but yeah, I collect cashewina nuts, and I'm into plant them sometimes. But um, you know, you we just, do too. Yeah, but well, you would if you got black cockatoos, the glossy blacks. But uh, they're lovely things, cockatoos, aren't they? Well, I love the bird. The bird, the native birds are beautiful. Yeah, definitely. We love birds too. So how's and you live in Townsville? We live in Townsville. Yes. Did you come, did you come to our program on the Strand the other couple of years ago? Three years, I think it was two thousand nineteen, wasn't it, Kel? I think. No, we weren't there. We I, were on holidays. So again, you're yeah, always on holidays, out. Lisa. No, we're not. We just we work hard, so you know you have to yeah work life balance. Work life balance. Yeah, sounds sounds we good. We both to me. work in the prison, so we need the work life balance for sure. All right, I'll bet you do. Yeah, how's how's life yes. in the prisons going? Oh, overcrowded as usual, but, you know, that's just how it goes, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Lisa. Yeah. Uh, good luck yeah. with your Will collecting. Yeah, you say, definitely say hello to my dad, Rex. He's listening you, to you for sure, hey? Macker, he listens to you every day, hey? All right, Lisa. Good on you. Thank oh. you. See you. Bye. Bye. G'day, Macker. It's Judy here. Hi, Judy. Macker, I'm at a wayside stop at Hilston in New South Wales. Mm. I just listened to your song, North to Corumba. That's right. exactly what we did the first week in um, June. Hooked up the caravan, got out of Victoria when we were allowed. We ended up at Corumba and up at Cooktown. We're slowly making our way down the coast, heading back to Victoria. At the moment, to get back home to Victoria, we have to do a 24-hour run from the... Queensland border to the Victorian border. We're in the middle of that now. We started yesterday morning, drove all day, got here to Hilston. We're parked up on the side in a truck stop with about half a dozen other Victorians all doing the same. Wow. 
woke up this morning, the sun's shining and beautiful looking across the, the, the paddocks here in this little truck stop. So what's We're the deal? You, you have to get back in 24 hours, do you? Yep. Because we have been in a green zone, which is pretty much all of Queensland over the past months, mm. and that's what we've been, only in green zones where there's been no COVID, we are allowed to come back to Victoria, our, our own state, if we go from border to border within 24 hours. Gee. Don't stop for any sightseeing or... To talk to Macca. To... Oh, I can talk to you. So I'll come and shake your hand and do it in person. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. So we drove all day yesterday, along with a lot of other people. As I said, we're camped up here. and We're just about to do the last run and get now across the border. Um, as we've been coming down, or before we left up in Queensland, lots of people, I'm mid-60s, a lot of people up there are 80 plus in Queensland waiting to come home. We've met numerous people that are very nervous about doing this run, thinking it's not safe, they're not capable of doing it. But um, I think most of them are going to have a go because they want to get back home. So, I, I, yeah. I suppose so, Judy, but, you know, if it was for me, I suppose because I've been locked down for, what does they say, 100 days, and it seems like a 1,000 days, as Michael said to me this morning, um, yeah. I wouldn't be in a hurry to get back to New South Wales or Victoria that's in the lockdown. I mean, New South Wales hopefully coming yeah. out in a week or two, but um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, unless you've got something to do, something that you have to do, I'd be hanging around yeah. Hilston or wherever well, I could, you know. Yeah. I understand that too, but my, my husband's keen to get home. He's wanting to help out our son-in-law who has worked on a cherry orchard down in Victoria. So they're all a bit strapped too for for staff. So my husband's keen to get home and give him a hand down there. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so you're, you're, on, you're, on you're on a farm somewhere, Judy, are you? You're on a farm somewhere? Actually, no. We're in a little place, a little country town called Mansfield, which is in northeast country Victoria. Oh, yeah, at up the in bottom the hills. of Mount Yep. Yep. And, um, but yeah, our son in law works on a cherry farm. But about three weeks ago, we woke to the news that Mansfield had an earthquake. So not only are they dealing with COVID in Victoria, they had a, an earthquake. Yeah, they did. And in Melbourne, they stuff. had it. And, and I think there's been aftershocks. And that's probably what they had in. Um, Aftershocks all over the place. I think even up in southern New South Wales, they had some bits and pieces too of that uh, of that earthquake. Yeah, well, people from home are telling us that there was no no damage, no not too much drama, just a bit of excitement, really. I think. Yeah, there are apparently some. There's a, a gold mine, or perhaps about an hour up the hills from home. Um, apparently, there were some people in that gold mine at the time underground. Apparently they were all safe, mm. no real damage. So yeah, so pretty Jude, lucky you, I think. Yeah, Jude, you've been on the road for how long? Four months. Four months. And what's the yeah. attitude to oh, you talk? Because all you people who are travelling talk. What's the attitude of what are people saying about lockdown and COVID? And you know, I mean, I just, okay. I, I just think you know, look, Queensland and Western Australia, those people, that's time that the rest of us who've been locked down will never get back. They've had. People in, in Queensland and Western Australia have had all that free time where they can virtually do, you know, within reason, all sorts of things. People in New South Wales yeah. and Victoria yeah. basically have been locked down and, and they'll never get that time yeah. back. No. Oh, look, Macca, it's, it's like a different world in Queensland as far as I'm concerned. I had my mask in my pocket the day we left Victoria ready to put on 
but I have not had my mask on once in four months. I've now got it in my pocket ready for now, once we, as we're traveling today and, and when we get back this afternoon or today. Um, but everyone in Queensland, it's like a different world. I've, not, I've seen two masks in four months. Um, everybody's just doing things as, as they would normally. Yeah. Um, children, are, children are playing in the playgrounds. Children are swimming in the pools. People are drinking at the pubs. People are just having a great time. They're living life. And I feel for Victoria and New South Wales. I think Victoria's had a dreadful time of it. Mm. And I think unless you've lived that experience, it is very hard to understand it. And I have great empathy for all Victorians, particularly those in Melbourne in high-rise flats. Uh, to keep your sanity in this time must be really hard. And for people that have lost jobs, people that are struggling to, to, to meet their payments, it's really hard. Whereas in Queensland, it's just been free range and fabulous. And I'm very grateful that we had that opportunity for four months. Well, exactly. I mean, you, you don't realise what you, you know, there's that song and poems, you don't realise what you've got till it's gone. But, um, yeah. you know, a yeah. little a lockdown for a week or something. Somebody said to me, <laughs> yeah. um, somebody said to me yeah. the other day, they wrote to me and said, uh, Ian, the hardest thing about a one-week lockdown, because there's places that have had a one-week lockdown, the hardest thing about a one-week lockdown is the first two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Yeah. Well, but as I said, but also as we're coming down or as we've been up in Queensland, there are certainly some of those places, some of those villages and, and towns that are really struggling because even though they're in Queensland and they've still got people around, mm. they haven't got the big ships coming in. Like up at um, uh, Port Douglas, you can see the shops up there are really struggling. They haven't got all those ships coming in with all the people and those fly-in people that come in rent a place for two weeks and spend money, go out for dinner every night, yeah. go out for lunch and spend their money doing that. So they're missing those kind of customers as opposed to us grey-haired nomads that might go out for dinner once. Yeah. Judy, yeah. nice to talk so, to you. Good luck with your, your run. It's like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I really enjoyed your song about, you know, not to Corumba. I'm thinking, that's us, yes. Have you, <laughs> we did that. Have you been vaccinated, Judy? Absolutely. Yeah. Double vaccinated. Double. Had the first one in Mansfield before we left. Had the second one on our travels. And 99% of the people that we have spoken to have either had one and chasing the other or had two. Yeah, people just want to get on with life. Good on you, Judy. Great to talk to you. Nice talking to you, Macca. Bye. Bye. <whistles> This is the All Over News. Remembrance of things past. Well, not that long ago, actually. It was last December when a listener said to me, so looking forward to New Year's Eve because 2021 will hopefully be a lot better. Hasn't really turned out that way, has it? And stats, statistics of deaths around the world, like 131,000 in Italy or 693,000 in the US, make us feel thankful or should, that we live far removed from the turmoil that some parts of the world are in. Australians from all over ring us. This is a snapshot of some of those calls. Life behind the statistics, if you like, and some words of wisdom. 
G'day, Ian. Uh, this is Troy, mate. I'm calling from the city of Kuming in Yunnan Province, China. I do teaching here. Come over here to learn the language, mate. I still haven't learnt that yet. It's a bit of a tough language for us to take on, I think. They've got many different languages. They've got simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese. They've got a written language, a spoken language, all the different dialects. You go to a different province and they've got their own language. Ah, so much to it, mate. Tell us about your life in China. Yeah, they had lockdown for maybe a very while, a few months. It was locked down, and then, but you could go out and buy stuff. They didn't let you go out to do exercise, but you have had to buy food. That was all right. You had to get your stamp. Uh, you had to get your medical health check and all that, get the certificate. I mean, I know places in Xia when I was there because people got the coronavirus. They booted everyone out of the building and... I don't know what they did with those people, but yeah, but that didn't happen to me. So it's all, I don't know, I wouldn't even really know there's a virus problem at the moment. I mean, I had my vaccine, I got the Sinopharm vaccine, I wasn't going to get the Sinovac one. They offered that to all the teachers for the school we're at, so that was pretty good, I suppose. Even where I work at the school, there's people in the Communist Party, we get along great. I mean, we don't, obviously, there's things we can't teach in school, like we can't say Taiwan's part of China, they, they ban that and all these other Actually, it's quite a lot of terrible things that happen in school. Like all Western books have just been taken out of libraries. Like you walked in the library and half the books are gone because they're Western now. And they're really cracking down education in China. I'm not really happy with what's happening. Anyway, I'll just see how it pans out. Hopefully coronavirus will be all done. I can come home with no quarantine. Well, Hey Maka, my name's Adrian. I'm I'm from Papua New Guinea and Lay. Sitting here at work, watching our sh- our ships getting loaded. We've got about 18 vessels that go around the whole of Papua New Guinea carrying cargo and. Obviously, we're an essential services company. We're responsible for the transport of all the containers around the country. I've been fully vaccinated so and just got my second shot. The locals are pretty hesitant to get the jab, but we're encouraging everyone to do it. The problem that we have here is the accuracy of the numbers because we're simply not doing the test. You know, if we need a test here in Papua New Guinea, we have to pay for it, and it's very expensive. Ian, Phil Bradford, Solomon Islands. I'm into my 44th year. We haven't had a COVID case in public. There's been cases in quarantine, but we've had no COVID cases actually in the streets. So we're actually a COVID-free country. I think uh, Vanuatu, our neighbour, is also COVID-free. The biggest problem is that myself, like a lot of other people, I've got our partners in Australia or New Zealand, and we can't get back and forward like we used to. I haven't seen my wife, and since March last year, she lives in Brisbane with one of my daughters. Myself and my other daughter live up here at work running the company. If you look around the world at the mistakes that have been made in managing the COVID epidemic, time and time again, what you would find is that one of the most common ones is that people get some COVID fatigue and pressures are put on governments, etc., and people ease restrictions when they really are not on top of the epidemic. This was true last year, but... Of course, now with this extraordinarily infectious Delta variant, it's even a bigger problem because um, unless we really squash this thing down, it's going to continue to wreak havoc around the world and in our own community. Good morning, Macrits. Jules from Mount Archer near Rockhampton. How are you? Oh, good day, Jules. Yeah, good. You got a story for me? Yeah, Macca, just with people sort of having trouble mask wearing and understanding the severity of the Delta strain and that, I'm a little bit linked with people in India. I visited there in 2016, 2017, and I met a family called the Kthenrakalya family in a town called Agra, which has got a loom, what we call a loom factory. And they make the most amazing handmade rugs and runners and things like that. 
the owner contacted me in May this year saying that he's lost most of his, what they call their extended family. They support 750 artists and families from their loom factory. Wow. Most of them have perished with COVID. Wow. So he's begging, begging people. Well, I've, I've been sending the email out to family and friends. They've got stock there, but they haven't got people now to work the looms. So it's generations lost, Macca. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? Because that's a, that's a lifetime of knowledge, isn't it? It's more than a lifetime. It's generational. So that, you know, how, how they recover from that, I really don't know. That's only in Agra alone, Macca. That's one, one town. There is hope, I suppose. But at the moment, they're, they're just in a really sad state. On a local level, um, one of my little fuel attendants that I've got to know, she's doing a double degree here at our university. You know, each week I just sort of chat to her and she's lost 25 out of 26 family members in her hometown in India. So, you know, we're not we're not hearing those sad stories. I very much doubt in my lifetime whether I'll get the opportunity to go to... They're, they're hard countries to go to. If, if you yes. do it the way I did it, I did it with the people, not with the prestige. So I just wanted to know the, you know, the people that didn't make the country tick. Please. Speaking of community too, I've got to give a big shout out. We've got several boarding schools in and around Rockhampton that have international students. And I'm not sure whether your listeners are aware, but those students can range from 10 years of age to 18. Now, they have not gone back to their homeland because of COVID. So what happens is the schools support them either in the boarding houses or local families and community members. And they're, they're mostly Papua New Guinea students. They haven't seen family for nearly two years. And you're talking young boys, young girls that are very impressionable. And community members have opened up their homes and hearts to these uh, children and students in the school holiday times. So there's lovely things going on behind the scenes while all this other, you know, dreadful news is happening around us. But I'd say a big shout out there to those sort of communities that are supporting these students. That's that's a big task for a little one to take on. Morning, Maka. My name's Amy. I'm a born and bred South Aussie, but I'm calling from a very overcast Auckland in lockdown. So I'm a chemist. I've just finished my PhD. Four weeks ago, we didn't have any here, and then you get one case, and now we have 700 and something. So enjoy it while you can, I suppose. (laughs) There's no point wondering what if it's here now, so we may as well make the best out of it and do the best we can. I think if nothing else, it's been a good exercise in science literacy for the whole population and learning to listen to our medical professionals and trust those people who have had 10, 20, 30 years of experience. Uh, hello, Macca. It's David in Vietnam. G'day, Dave. Tell us. Well, I'm sitting downstairs in our apartment block in Da Nang. I've been in Vietnam for 11 years and I've been suffering with some sort of lockdown or restriction for the last two years, since the beginning of last year. For the last month, we've been stuck completely inside our apartment block. Can't go out the front gate. For the last four weeks, we've not been allowed to even exit the front gate. I had my first shot of AstraZeneca yesterday because I'm a teacher and they see the teachers as being essential workers. So I've jumped the queue on millions and millions of Vietnamese people to get my first shot. So I'm very happy about that, but not overly happy about not being able to walk over to the beach and go for a swim or a surf and everything's been closed for a month. So it's been a 
same story to listen to my friends in Australia that I've been talking to a little bit more regularly recently and hear that they can go outside and have a have an exercise and the ones that live near the coast are going down to Tamarama and having a swim and my sister's still playing golf and she lives in Northwood and I think, oh, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> Hi, Macker, it's Sandy. I'm in Mornington Peninsula in Safety Beach in Victoria. This lockdown is going to do our head in. I'm a Melbourneian. We've had 5K bubbles and limits for more than anywhere else in the world, apparently. I have decided with this last fifth lockdown, the only thing I can rely on is the sun rising in the morning because it's not on the planet. Mm. I've often been thinking, Macker, on these mornings that, you know, spring isn't cancelled, sunrise isn't cancelled, things aren't cancelled, but us humans have had to cancel so much. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. Like you were saying before, if you post a letter, it takes five days to get there. Maybe that's not such a bad thing that we slow up and we stop and we listen and we appreciate this beautiful planet and perhaps maybe even look after it better after this experience we've all been through. It's the only time we've been asked in this generation to do something for the collective. Other generations in wars and depressions, and this is the first time that any of us have been asked to actually forego our own needs for the whole. So that's not always such a bad thing either. This is the All Over News, and this news from Alan Haley says, I just thought with all the bad news and chaos in the world today, I might tell you a funny story that might put a smile on your listeners' faces, says Alan, who is somewhere on the Gwaita River near Bandara in New South Wales. He says, I started work at Toronto Park Zoo when I was 15-year-old. This is in the early 60s, I'd say. I worked part of the time in the monkey section and was assistant to the head keeper. My job was to go through the monkey cages and enclosures and sweep up uneaten food and crap and clean out the water containers and refill. All enclosures had a door lifted with counterweights and a bolt was pushed in to prevent the doors being lifted or falling down. This particular morning I was working my way through the different cages when I got to the macaque monkeys, all 30 of them. I'd just entered with my bucket and broom and gone in about 10 feet when it occurred to me that I hadn't closed the entry door. I turned around only to see a juvenile macaque at the door peering out. I immediately dropped my broom and bucket to run to the door and in the three to four seconds it would have taken me, the whole 30 monkeys emptied out of the cage and into the outer enclosed area where we kept food supplies, our equipment and our morning tea, etc. When I looked out of the doorway, all I could see were monkeys climbing over everything getting into our food and everything else. They were making the best of the sudden freedom. My immediate thought was, oh, it's not so bad. The one door outside was closed and all I had to do was put some food in their cage and they'd all go back in and no damage would be done. I could clean up before the head keeper got back and no one would be any the wiser. At the very moment I had that idea, the head keeper flung open the door from outside to come in. There was a tsunami of monkeys, emptied out of the back area, out the door. There he was, flat on his back, covered with dirty footprints all over his clean uniform. What the bloody hell have you done? he said. Well, all available keepers were called up and thrown into the fray, but because the monkeys recognised all of them, they were hard to catch, and they emptied out of the zoo into the surrounding suburbs. We had a ute ready on call, so when a phone call came in and someone was complaining about a monkey in their bathroom, we all piled into the ute, armed with our nets, rope and hooks. Also, this escape never made it into the news. Anyway, after two weeks, we'd captured all 29 of them. Only one was left uncaptured. We finally got the call. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a monkey on the jetty well below the zoo. Would he be one of yours? Off we went, screaming down to the jetty and formed a line across it and nets out, expecting him to try and run past us. Instead, he ran to the end of the jetty and dived into the harbour. 
We all ran to the edge. Well, said the head keeper, you let him out, you dive in and get him. So I stripped off to my undies and dived in and came up and looked around, couldn't see him. All the blokes were saying, he's over there, under the water. So I dived under and was about one metre down, looked to the left, no monkey, looked to the right, there he was, swimming breaststroke, like me, about one metre away. I looked at him, he looked at me, and we both kept swimming. One of us is going to run out of breath, I thought to myself, and it's not going to be me. And sure as eggs, he started to claw his way to the surface. I came up behind him, pinned his arms, and did a Bondo rescue to the jetty where I handed him to the keepers. And do you know, to this very day, I'm the only person to ever rescue a monkey in Sydney Harbour, says Alan Hale. This is Bob here. How are you? Good, thanks, Bob. Uh, I'm just travelling down from uh, Wallachia, Silverdale area to Little Bay in Sydney, delivering some fresh food. And I heard your story about the fellow who had to chase a monkey into Sydney Harbour and they had a bit of a monkey escape. (laughs) And... uh, I've got a bit of a story about monkeys myself. All right. Yeah, that was if you just got up, and a lot of people have you just got up, Bob. Uh, <laughs> that uh, It was a, a little story about a bloke, uh, Alan, I think his name was, and he said um, yeah. uh, he was working at Taronga Park Zoo years ago, I think in the early 60s, and, and he left the gate open, and then somebody else came in, and all the macaque mon- monkeys got out. There was 30 of them, and they took, shot through, and they... Uh, managed to catch him except the last one and they trapped him down on the wharf and he jumped in the harbour. Now, continue, Bob. Um, Well, about probably around about 1985, living in the Blue Mountains at Springwood and I had six or seven monkeys myself. What do you mean? What do you mean you had six or seven monkeys? Nobody has monkeys. You have dogs and cats and stuff. Oh, from when I was a little kid and I lived down in Sydney and I always fancied a monkey and uh, as people do, they say you can't have monkeys, that's not allowed. No. There was no law saying you couldn't have monkeys and there were monkeys (laughs) about. So (laughs) one led to two, led to three, etc. Where did you you get the monkeys? From a pet shop or something? Uh, No, no, no. There was people that had monkeys and... What do you mean? The right people... Well, people had monkeys at home, and you could buy a monkey. Not easily, but they were around. There was a, a quite a bit of a trade. Some people would get monkeys, and they didn't like them after a little while, and word got around, I'd take a, a little monkey, an orphan one, or a pair that someone didn't like and couldn't control, and I looked after them. So, you know, we had one, we had two, we had three, we had four, and... I had them up until the last monkey died. He was about 30 years old. His name was Stafford, named after Stafford Bullen from the circus. Of course. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he was home at Wallachia with us where we had four or five, and eventually we had to have a licence to keep them, but they were around. But my story, basically, about 1985 at Springwood, I had four or five monkeys kept in the house, going on holidays, and I said to a friend, you have to come and look after my monkeys if you wouldn't mind while I go on holidays. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want anything to happen to them. Not many people know they're here. And she agreed she'll come and feed them every day. And a mate of mine used to drive the local school bus. Came out of actually St. Columbus College Gateway and I lived right opposite. But afternoon and the kids in the bus raced to one side and started saying, look, 
There's monkeys on the roof of the house over there. And I was away, I didn't know, but the bus driver, his name was Rob, he said, I said to the kids, sit down, don't be stupid, no monkeys around here. But they were. My friend, she'd been feeding them, she left the door open, the monkeys, four of them, got out, <laughs> terrorised the neighbours for a few days because oh. she couldn't get them back. But uh, they would sit on the house, the neighbours have a barbecue, they join in the barbecue. Of course. Um, a monkey, a monkey loves a good barbecue. I'll tell you that, mate. Oh, they do. Yes, <laughs> they love to join in with anything and everything. They were quite tame. I mean, they were still hard to handle. They would bite and scratch you. They were all macaque and Reese's cross. Uh huh. But um, I could handle them. But they did tend to bite and carry on. I dear, oh dear. had a favourite one called Clyde. I used to yeah, Clyde the monkey. take out in my car and take him for a ride around the neighbourhood, yeah. bring him to a neighbour's place, sit him on the table. Uh, take, have a barbecue, yeah. This is, uh, uh, yeah, have a barbecue if they were. Yes, of but course. Now, we, we had them for quite a long while and Bob, we can't... moved to a lake years ago. There were a few wild monkeys around there that obviously escaped from Fuller's Animal Park. Now, how, how big are Because I, I went down to the... the um, um, there's a zoo down the south coast of New South Wales, and there was apes in there. What's the name of that zoo? Mogo, Mogo Zoo. Mogo. And yeah. there was there was a couple of big apes in there, lovely in a big glass cage. But they are big fellas, and they look you know you wouldn't want to get in a cage with them. So they they no. they could do some real damage. Big, strong looking things. They were leaping around on a, in their big enclosure. But um, these these obviously weren't as big as that. No, they were. These were macaque monkeys, Asian monkeys. Probably the biggest one was a macaque and a rhesus cross, and he was uh, probably stood up, you know, above my knee, like big and strong. Yeah. Um, but uh, nails, yeah. But they make a good pet, Bob. <laughs> um, no. A lot of people dislike them because they're a little bit dirty and destructive, but. I love them as pets, and and, and, the, is, and is that allowed now? Can you have monkeys as pets now, or um, there are still monkeys, but we have a private zoo license that we no longer use. But in about 1990, there was an amnesty where you had to declare your monkeys, um, and they were classed as exotic animals. Wow! And How about this? You were given, I think, we were license number seven. So there weren't many in, I don't know whether it's Australia or just uh, New South Wales, but you were able to keep them where the Department of Agriculture, they came and inspected how you kept them. and How you keep your monkeys, exactly. <laughs> what was that, sorry? I, I just said exactly, how to keep your monkeys. Yes, how you were keeping your monkeys. <laughs> I just think it's... I think it's bizarre, Bob, although I know people um, have pigs for pets and stuff like that and... And they, you know, I suppose people who have pigs for pets or whatever, you know, swear by them, say, oh, look, they're lovely, but uh, well, an acquired taste, I think, was, Bob. Yeah, our kids thought it was normal, and they often say at school, the monkeys have done this or done something, and most people wouldn't believe them. Like, you don't have monkeys, but yeah, we had them now and again in the house, but not often in the house, mainly outside in the cage, but they were, they were good pets, a bit cranky. But, yeah. um, there you go, Bob. Yeah. Tell me, how's the delivery of fresh food business going? Uh, well, I deliver for my daughter and son-in-law, and 
every Sunday I do a run down to Sydney where people order grazers and I bring fresh eggs down to them. Uh, it's consistent. They're very busy where they are at Silverdale. Yeah. I get the plug called Horse and Harpy, but um, <laughs> it's interesting these days. There's no doubt about it. I get to travel wherever I want because I have a permit to deliver the food. All so, right. Good on you. Lot, lot less traffic at the moment, that's all. Yeah. Good on you, Bob. Great, uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Vince is in New Bobo. Morning, Vince. Morning, Macca. Are you? You're yeah, not just driving through. And you're, you're not ringing you're from the phone, phone box, box, are you? No, I'm ringing right in front of the phone box. Oh, well, why didn't you ring from the phone box? I mean, that's <laughs> that's a no-brainer, and it's free. It is free. I, I agree. Yeah, that's Vince, right. But um, dear, uh, no, I'm sitting right in front of the phone box. It's a very quiet day here, mm. and beautiful weather. But we'd prefer it was uh, raining. It's been very dry here. Well, there you go. Well, uh, I well, I hope I hope there's rain around. I think the weather bureau said it was going to be wetter than normal spring and summer, but that, depends where yeah, you are. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they've been promising that for a few years now, or for the last uh, three seasons. Vince, do you live in Do you live in Yubobo? I've got a property outside Yubobo. Well, listen. Next and time I'm... you ring, ring from the phone box, please, because if you <laughs> if you don't ring from the phone box and don't use it, they'll take it away. Even and it's free. I mean, it's a no, it's a no brainer, Vincey. Look, I mean, no, we 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 have uh, reached the uh, modern age now. We have uh, mobile coverage in the valley, something we didn't have when you were here last. Yeah, but it's free, mate. It's free. <laughs> Nothing. I realise that. Yes, you can phone home to England. Oh no, I don't think you can phone to England, but you can phone anywhere in Australia. No. Just get in there yeah, and knock yourself out. Start ringing people, and when they say, "Where are you, Vince?" They say, "Oh, look, I'm in the phone box at Yobobo. Mate, okay. it's a no-brainer, Vinci. How's how's uh, what do you got on your property? Cattle, cattle. It's cattle property. Yes, yeah. Mm, it's lovely. It's been very dry. This, this area has been very dry. What's the uh, and, what's uh, the mountain around there where they used to cut some timber um, and cut some sleepers? Uh, uh, Crimber tops. Yeah, Crimber tops. tops. I went up. Yep. Th- I went up there. You know, when we were, we did our program in uh, Yubaba. Lovely well, area. No, I, I, yeah, I was at your program that day. Yes, very good. Oh, it was a lovely morning, wasn't it? Lovely morning. Yeah. Vince... I was interested to see how you, how you worked. You had telephone uh, calls coming in. You had people talking to you, and you uh, and when you listened to the radio, it seemed all very calm. <laughs> it was quite quite chaotic. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like life, Vincey. It's like the duck. Yeah. It's like the duck sailing along on the thing, and underneath these little legs are going, or her little legs are going, ninety to the dozen. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Vincey. Right. I'm look. I'm really disappointed. Ring us next week from the phone box, will you, for God's sake? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm travelling through. I'm travelling through to to Toowoomba just at present to play golf for a week. So. All right. Uh, we'll find a phone box there if you would. Um, okay. Find a phone box. Okay, I'll do that. All right. Good I'll on you, that. Vince. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, bye. mate. Bye. Bye. Good day. This is Macca. Good day, Macca. This is Peter. Hi. I'm not calling from a phone box, but well, I used to have responsibility for phone boxes in all of New South Wales ACT and briefly Victoria, Tasmania at one time in my history. Uh, um, and I do travel free on public transport in New South Wales because I'm a veteran. But um, I'm calling about your truck driver who rang in about his constant testing to remain viable for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this is not a plug or an advertisement, but um, we've currently got exclusive rights to a product that's going through TGA approval at the moment. It's FDA approved in the USA. 
that'll give a positive or negative result to a COVID test within five minutes. Wow. So there's hope, there's hope and it's not far away. Five minutes. There is one for a, a half an hour or something, isn't there, or something? Um, uh, yeah, there's a few around. We've got three coming in, but the one that's in testing at the moment is a five-minute uh, process. And if you want me to tell me how it works, if you want me to tell you how it works, I will. But yeah, I'm not go, here to plug it. No, go for it. Tell it's, us how it works. It's a, we... it's a scratch and sniff. Mm. So what happens is you get a credit card-sized card. You register with a QR code, so it relates to your mobile phone. You scratch the area of the card that says scratch here, and you have to identify what the smell is, and there's a half a dozen quite distinct different smells. You opt for that on the app on your phone, and it gives you a, a, pass, te- a pass or fail immediately. Wow. And Because I was interested, because we played a little montage of people who phoned from all around the world um, uh, telling us about their COVID experience, and the bloke in New Guinea on the... Uh, on the wharves in Lay said, you know, people over there don't get tested because it costs them every time you get tested over there. Well, in Lay anyway, you have to pay for that. Um, well, so, this yeah. product, Macca, is, is uh, inexpensive. I might say it's free, of course, but inexpensive and fast and reliable. And uh, we've got a couple of others coming through that are just a swab around your gums and whatever. Not as, not, not as uh, invasive as having something shoved up your nose, but... Uh, Still, again, inexpensive, uh, very, very fast turnaround time and reliable, and that's what people need. I'll say, well, that's good news because people are waiting around, you know, especially in hospital, waiting around for a result, have been, you know, over this COVID time for, you know, three days, sometimes four days before you get a result, and that's not good. So, um, No, the anxiety can be quite uh, debilitating. Yeah, and, and the truck drivers will breathe a sigh of relief, Pete. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk be, to you. They'll all be ringing you, Mac. That's <laughs> Good on you, Pete, and nice to talk to you. Thanks very much. This is Macca. Hi, it's Abigail from Adelaide. Hi, Abigail. Hi, Macca. Tell us a story. So I'm a heart kid and and there is a charity walk called Two Feet in a Heartbeat. Right. And in Adelaide, it is on the 17th of October and it's all around Australia. Good on you. How old are you, Abigail? Nine and three quarters. Nine and three quarters. And what is a heart, what's a heart kid? Tell people what a heart kid is. So a heart kid is a child who had a heart surgery. Uh-huh. And, and... They were... Born with a heart defect, and they had to have um, life-changing surgery. Well, you're a little possum, and that's uh, that. What's it called? Heart Day, is it on the 17th of October? Is that right? It is two feet in a heartbeat. Two feet. 17th of October. Two feet in a... Adelaide. It's lovely to talk to you, Abigail. I've got to go in a minute, but lovely to talk to you. Two feet in a heartbeat, um, and I'll meet you sometime when we come to Adelaide. Okay, you keep in touch, and I'll keep in touch. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.